You may know you are listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Izzy House hosts a great podcast called the Space Marketing Podcast. Izzy, tell us what these fine folks will get out of listening. Space Marketing Podcast is where we explore marketing principles, strategies, and tactics through the lens of space. I talk space with some very interesting industry professionals about their challenges and successes with marketing in the new commercial space economy. This show is for business leadership, entrepreneurs, and the space curious. Wow. And where in the universe can people subscribe? All of the major channels. And you can also find it on MPN and spacemarketingpodcast.com. You heard her. Go subscribe. Hey, everyone, you are listening to another episode of the All Things Private Practice podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Casal, joined today by Kelly McKenna. She is an LCSW in Jersey City and also a business coach who helps therapists and entrepreneurs just get more comfortable with social media, monetize social media, learn how to create reels, learn how to create presence, and just really get yourself out there. So, Kelly, thanks so much for making the time and coming on here right now and having this conversation. Of course, I'm so excited to join you. Therapists and social media is like my favorite thing. So happy to be here. Yeah, that's a good starting point. So why is therapists and social media your favorite thing? Like I've followed your social media. I've seen your success, like really getting out there, getting published in some uh, Newsweek articles, I think. Mm -hmm. And that's really cool. Congrats. And I imagine you had to work through a lot of uh, the emotional side of small business ownership to start developing that presence too. Yeah. I think social media just like totally changed the like track of my career and my practice, to be honest. And so I'm super excited about helping other therapists do the same. When So kind of before going into private practice, I worked in nonprofit management and I was feeling like really burnt out. I missed doing clinical work. And so I decided to start working at a group practice in the evening. And then COVID hit. And so I was like working virtually and was like, why why am I doing this? Like I could be doing this myself. And I just really, really loved doing the clinical work with clients again. And I kept on thinking like, I would really be excited to hop on a Zoom after my nine to five and do therapy with clients. And it was like the part of my day that I really looked forward to. And I kind of started to dread the nine to five work. And so I really started to dream about like, what if I did private practice full time? What if I quit my job and really made this a thing? And at that point was when I decided to take a risk and start a social media page. And this was in October, 2020. Um, And things just like really turned around for me from there. With a thousand followers, I got my first like cash pay client. They paid me premium rate, 250 a session. Um, Four months later, I was totally full of like private pay clients. I was able to quit my full-time job. And I just had like 4,000 followers at the time. So it wasn't like this huge big number that I have today. And I think that it's just so cool how you can use social media to build your entire business and like this free way that's relatively low effort, low hanging fruit, um, putting yourself out there. Yeah, love that. And I think a lot of people can relate, you know, to having that nine to five that they are just burnt out from and wanting something different, but then like struggling with the, when do I take the risk? When do I take the leap? Is it going to work out? There's a lot of imposter syndrome, a lot of insecurity that kind of starts to surface and understandably so. And then once you do, 
the realization of like, oh, fuck, I can work so much less, make so much more money, be so much less stressed out. And when I'm talking to therapists, whether it's in my Facebook group or in coaching, a lot of them are so scared of social media yeah. um, for a variety of reasons. Like, and I can list them, but I'm sure you've heard them all and we'll talk about them for the audience. But just for reference point, like you said, from 1,000 to 4,000, what is your social media following at this point in time? Um, like 55,000. Congrats. Yeah. And Thank that's you. about two years. So yep. something you're doing is working and it's leading to monetization. It's also allowing you to help more people, but it's also allowing you to really expand your your reach in terms of your reputation. And, and it has that ripple effect because each person you help gain exposure, then therefore can help their businesses, can help more clients in their community. And I think that it's such an untapped resource for so many people for a variety of reasons. So what do you feel like is like the biggest holdup for people right now when they're thinking, okay, I need to get on social media, but then the immediate thought is like, what? Yeah. So I think it's like finding the perfect thing to say. And I think for some reason, posting on social media feels like so permanent. Um, I remember I was making my first post was either about perfectionism or boundaries. And this is something that, you know, I've struggled with myself. I talk with my friends about all the time. I was accepting insurance through the group practice and was talking with those clients about it all the time. And I spent hours putting this post together, reading like 15 different blog posts about like, you know, how do you set a boundary, like tweaking everything. It was like a two sentence post, but it felt so scary to put myself out there and say like, these are the words that I'm choosing. And I think that that really got in the way for so long. And the only way to, you know, kind of work through that feeling is to do it, right? And to see nothing horrible is going to happen. Nobody is going to start screaming at you because you said to set boundaries on social media, right? Like, it's going to be okay. And the more that you do it, the less like high stakes every single word that you put on the internet feels, right? It starts to feel easier over time. It starts to feel like less of a big deal and more so just a way that you're expressing yourself and talking about things that you are absolutely an expert in, right? Like, you know how to talk about this stuff. It's just about figuring out how to like package it for social media. I love that. And I think that's so true. Like it is that imposter syndrome perfectionism that comes up of like, and there is vulnerability, right? And like putting yourself oh, out sure. in the world. And that is a real thing. And I don't want to like minimize or dismiss that. But I think so much of it is exactly what you just said. Like that perfectionism process of, everything has to be perfect. The video has to be very like specific to these requirements. Like every single word I say must be captivating. And what if I'm not the expert? Like, can I really put this out to the world? Like all of those irrational fucking thoughts that start showing up for you and really keeping you stuck instead of just doing it and realizing like, oh yeah, okay, that wasn't so bad. And even in reality, like maybe your first post, nobody looks at it, nobody likes it, nobody's <laughs> really. Not. But who cares? Like it does give you that, sigh of relief almost of like, oh, okay, I can do this. And then yep. it starts to get easier. And then you start to figure out your flow. And then you start to figure out like, this is what I want it to look like. This is what I want it to sound like. And I personally believe like the most authentic content is the most relatable. The more yep. scripted you make your content, the more you sit in front and just like, this has to look a certain way or be a certain way, the more likely it is. It's going to come off as robotic, not personable, not relatable. And it's probably not going to get a ton of engagement. Yeah, I think one of the things that is really helpful for me is kind of thinking about like 
people want to feel like they're on FaceTime with a friend or something, right? Or even on FaceTime with a therapist. Like show up the same way that you show up with your clients in session. Use animation like in your face, right? Smile, use your hands, talk, laugh, make jokes, curse if that's your thing. Like be yourself and the right people are going to be attracted to it. And the ones that aren't, we're never going to book a therapy session with you anyways. And you are going to dread meeting with them for our 45 minutes each week, right? Like find your people. That's the more important piece is that second component is like, even if they did book with you, they're probably not going to stick around, right? Because like, it's just not a good fit on one side or the other. And that doesn't make you a bad therapist. And it doesn't make them a bad client. It just means that it wasn't the right fit for them. And it wasn't the right fit for you. And social media can really help with that when you're starting to put your authentic voice out there and show a little bit of your personality. Because so oftentimes, like the therapists I work with think they have to be like, robotic sounding boards who can't express themselves and can't speak a certain way, can't, you know, can't talk about certain subjects. And in reality, it's like, this is what people are drawn to. It's that relatability. They want a little bit of an inside glimpse of what it would be like to work with you before they contact you. And it makes that guard go down. That wall goes down when it's like, oh, I can reach out to this person. I see them on social media talking about this all the time. Like this feels really comfortable for me. And I think that's such a big piece, especially if you're a therapist that's trying to go private pay, is people really need to make that transition from like, I just want to find any therapist who accepts my insurance and will actually answer me when I send them a message via psychology today to like, oh my gosh, this person understands exactly what I'm going through. I'm going to like deal with the hassle of going out of network because I want to work with them. And I think that that's why social media is such a cool way to do that. Because people get to know you over time and they get a feel for like what it would be like to work with you. And that makes them that much more motivated to figure that out versus it can be kind of hard to attract private pay clients and directories. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. It certainly does. But you're going to have a much better time if you can build that relationship with somebody over time and kind of be that consistent force that they see in their feed every day, every week, whatever that looks like. Absolutely. Couldn't say it better myself. I think that, you know, I, so often I get in touch with therapists who want coaching on creating content or writing their copy or why are co- people not calling me and I review their psych todays or their websites and they all sound the same. I'm a trauma-informed therapist who will walk alongside you. I have pictures of stacked rocks on my website. I <laughs> only talk in clinical jargon like the DSM and I do not ever share anything about myself. And I'm like, well, this is why it's like, this is, this is the issue here. But in reality, like you just said, you're creating that no like and trust factor with putting out content. And that doesn't just mean sharing what someone else created, like a a graphic, a static graphic of like three ways for mindfulness shared, you know, a million times by the same person. It's like, share the graphic, put your own spin on it, put your own voice to it, do a little bit of a video about some of these tips and strategies, highlight some of the things you can do. We don't have to reinvent the wheel here. And I think that also keeps people paralyzed is like, I have to create unique content that has never been talked about before and like that's just not a thing like 99% of this content is recycled with a different voice behind it totally and I think especially like as therapists you probably follow a lot of other therapists on social media you probably listen to some therapy podcasts maybe you read some self-help books right like you are inundated with this stuff 24 7 because it's your job but for most therapy seekers it's not their job And so they may not be following any therapist or maybe just a handful online, 
They're probably not reading tons of help, self-help, self-help books. They're probably not listening to tons of like podcasts on this stuff. And so stuff that feels basic and elementary to you is new information to them. It's like a new perspective. It's a new way of thinking about things. And it can really make a difference for them to hear it. And so I think kind of like letting go of that idea of needing to say something brand new is so helpful. It's probably going to be brand new for your audience. And that's really important. Yeah, exactly. Like you're not out there trying to attract other therapists for the most part, like who are looking for these things. And I think it's so important to understand that if we have this idea that the only source of referrals are people on your site today, people on your website, people doing Google searches, like that's just a small component here. That's a small yeah. piece of the puzzle. Like there's such a wide, vast audience of people seeking help and support and understanding and who want therapy. But if they don't know that you exist and you don't have a presence, it's really hard to stand out. And like you said, not only just attract self-pay clients, but initially get clients coming in the door off the bat because yeah. you're kind of just in this massive internet surge, getting you're losing out to all the people who have better SEO and who have better created websites and whatever. And all of a sudden it's like, my phone is just not fucking ringing and I don't yeah. know what I'm doing. And that's one of the reasons why I love Reels so much is because they are such like a fast, easy way to get your content in front of more people, right? So Instagram has announced like time and time again that they're prioritizing Reels in the algorithm. If you scroll your own Instagram page, you will notice there are many, many Reels from people who you don't follow, right? And so there's this really big opportunity to get in front of new people. And they're actually like a really low effort way to create content if you have a plan and you know what you're doing, right? Like it doesn't take as much time as making a post in Canva. Um, you don't need to do like all these fancy transitions and stuff. You're not trying to build a career as a content creator. You're trying to get people to see the value of therapy and why it would be good to work with you. And so I think that with that in mind, creating reels can be such like an easy way to get your content in front of more people even if it's directing those same people to your website, right? So it's not that your website, your psychology today and stuff doesn't matter, but how can we get more eyes on it, especially if your practice is new, your SEO is new, and there's not going to be tons of traffic to your website on its own, right? So social media can be kind of a boost to get more people to that place to take the next step. Yeah, absolutely. So just, and, and really keeping it short and simple, like yep. keeping real short and simple a couple of tips, a couple of strategies, something simple and quick, and then a call to action, right? Like, can you walk us through like a basic real strategy for people who are like, I don't even know what the hell that means or how to do that? Yes. So my kind of formula for reels is always to start with a hook, provide some value, and then end in call to action. And what I mean by that is a hook is basically in the first two seconds of the video, you want the person to know what the video is going to be about and that it's for them. Right. So instead of saying, here's three mindfulness tips, which is a hook, we want to be even more specific and say for who. Right. So like three mindfulness tips for new moms, three mindfulness tips for when you're having a panic attack. Right. Three ways mindfulness can help you get out of a depressive slump. Right. Like we want to speak directly to that person and what their struggles are and their pain point. Then we want to provide our three tips. Right. And we want to end with a call to action, which might be follow for more, comment if you can relate, schedule an intro call if you're looking for a therapist in New Jersey, right? Like we want to tell people that next step that they're going to take. 
And there's so many different styles for how you can package the same information. And I encourage therapists to experiment with all of them, right? So like you can literally do a talking head style reel where you speak directly to the camera and you say those things that we just talked about, right? You can do a little pointing reel and find an audio that has like, you know, three things and you can point ding, ding, ding to each one. You can put together kind of like a little vlog type thing together, right? Put a video of you making your coffee in the morning and just put text on top of it that says, you know, these three things. There's lots of different ways that we can create the reels. Um, it's just kind of about experimenting and seeing what content feels most authentic to you, what feels like least effort, and what is actually performing well for like your specific audience. You may know you are listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Izzy House hosts a great podcast called The Space Marketing Podcast. Izzy, tell us what these fine folks will get out of listening. Space Marketing Podcast is where we explore marketing principles, strategies, and tactics through the lens of space. I talk space with some very interesting industry professionals about their challenges and successes with marketing in the new commercial space economy. This show is for business leadership, entrepreneurs, and the space curious. Wow. And where in the universe can people subscribe? All of the major channels. And you can also find it on MPN and spacemarketingpodcast.com. You heard her. Go subscribe. Yeah. Love that. And that is super simple for all those of you listening to start doing immediately, like really takes less than 10 minutes of your time to do a yeah. couple of these and get more and more comfortable. And it, and then like you just said, Kelly, like when you see what's performing well, double down on that, like make more of that, make responses to people who are commenting or questions or things that are happening yeah. in the engagement. The engagement is really important too. And I like to try to think about like, what would you be more apt to click on or pursue more information on like some helpful videos or some videos of someone's personality who you really enjoy or static like web search on Google of just like name after name after name and yeah. or psychology today where it's kind of like match.com of looking for a therapist. You're just like calling everyone that looks like someone you could talk to and yeah. whoever calls you back first is who's going to be your therapist. It might not even be a good fit, but like it's just a great way to introduce yourself to a community and have access to people who you may not reach when you're just using the website presence, when you're just using your site today presence. It's just really helping expand your audience in so many different ways. And it really helps you get through that kind of imposter syndrome, like perfectionism process of everything has to be perfect before I can publish my website. Everything has to be perfect before I can put this information out to my social media community. It's just like, just do the thing and then it will get more and more natural over time. For sure. And I think one of the most like underrated pieces of Instagram too is like the professional network that you can build. So I hear so many therapists that I work with, they're like concerned, you know, the only people that are commenting on my reels are other therapists. Like how do I actually get my content in front of clients? And that is important, right? And it'll happen with time. But I think that it's important to think about that. It's like kind of two things. One, it's good that Instagram understands your content is for therapists and it's putting it in front of other people, right? That means that the algorithm understands what your content is about and it will eventually work its way to regular people, non-therapists that struggle with anxiety, depression, trauma, whatever it is that your niche is. 
And then the second piece is that it's a really good opportunity to build strong referral relationships with other providers. Like rather than just cold calling people and scheduling, you know, a 20 minute coffee date on Zoom and then you never talk to the person again. With social media, you're also in front of this other professional day after day, week after week, and you're providing more value. You're showing up as yourself. And when that professional needs to refer out for something, you're going to be the first person that comes to their mind because they know you, they feel like they like you, they feel like they trust you, and they can feel confident sending, you know, their client to you for couples therapy or an inquiry or their brother or whoever, right? Because they have a good idea of who you are. And so I think that that's like really, really underrated when it comes to social media. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, you really are developing a professional networking relationship with so many different people. Like, you know, this is a good example, right? Like I reached out to you on your Instagram, asked you if you wanted to come on the podcast. And that was because I follow your Instagram. I thought your information would be valuable to my audience. So I think that is a really wonderful example of just like how social media can help connect us and also create further reach and influence and and relationship. And it's just an easy way to do this without having to break the bank either. I mean, you're talking about things that you can do at home for free. Mm -hmm. And we all know, I mean, I talk about this a lot and some of you might get mad when I say this, but therapists are notoriously frugal in a lot of areas. And there's not a lot of always overlap and understanding of business ownership. So yeah. the more things that you can do at low cost or free or at low cost and value, the easier it becomes for you when you start to think about like, okay, I'm getting bored of therapy. I want to expand and create a group practice, or I want to go to become an all private pay therapist. Like I want to, you know, offer retreats. I want to start a podcast. The more you can get comfortable putting yourself out there, and just being visible to the world in social media, the more that's going to start to build. And there are lots of ways to monetize that right now as well. And this is probably the best time to really take advantage of that. Totally. And I think that that's such a good point because, like I said, you don't need to have a huge audience to have a full private practice, even a full private pay practice, right? Like 4,000 followers may seem like a lot. But it's really not in the grand scheme of things. And it is totally manageable and doable. Um, That's for me when I got to full private pay. That doesn't mean that that needs to be what everyone does to get to full private pay. I had, you know, one one therapist who I coached that with a thousand followers was like full private pay and hiring an associate. Right. And so definitely you can do it with way less too. Um, But I think what's great about social media is if you like it, right, and you're like, this is a way that I enjoy marketing myself, you have already a primed community of people to sell other offers to, whether that's courses, coaching, like you said, kind of retreats, brand partnerships, a podcast, like whatever it is, you have a group of people that already know you, they like you, and they trust you. And we have all these different ways now that we can present of how can we take this relationship further? How can we get to know each other better outside of social media and kind of get to that next level? Absolutely. Yep. How can you have more access to me, especially if you follow mm-hmm. me and out to the world? And that's that's worked wonders for my business. I mean, because people like the way I show up, they like my authenticity and they like how I approach certain topics and retreats and you know, coaching programs have sold very well. And it's again that no like and trust factor of like. I get a sense of who you are and I know I could work with you or I trust that I could get a lot out of our working relationship. Yeah. And that's really important. I mean, that's important in any 
business relationship, you have to have that there for it to be a consistent, thriving situation. And it's really a win-win all around. Um, a couple of things that are coming up for me in my head, like that I often see is like, I don't want to commit to making videos every single day. So um, what's your thoughts on how often you should be posting? I personally think batching works great when you're like, mm -hmm. I don't want to work and create this every single day. But if you're going to batch and you're going to like make a bunch of content, you got to be consistent with how often you create it. Otherwise, yeah. you do it once and then you're like, eh, life's in the way. I, I got to walk the dogs. I got to do this. I'd rather watch this TV show. And then that goes by the wayside. Yep. Ideally, I encourage therapists to post once a day, whether that's a video or a static post. But I would say a minimum of three to four times a week. If not, the growth is going to be really, really, really slow. And you're never going to get like those rewards from it that are going to motivate you to keep going. So I would say between three times a week and um, every day. And then I think it's also helpful to invest in resources that are going to make doing this easier, right? So I have a Reels membership for therapists where every Monday you get four trending Reels ideas. Here's the sound, here's the prompt, here's the filming instructions, all of that that can make it really easy for you to create all four of your Reels for the week in under an hour because everything is thought out and done for you. And so I think whether it's, you know, investing in a low cost program like that or doing it on your own, you want to set aside a time and structure to that, right? So like every Monday, you're going to sit down. Maybe you spend an hour or two coming up with ideas yourself. You write out what you're going to film. You film it and you call it a day. But you kind of need to have that structure and that system. So that way you are consistent with it and able to keep up when you're batching. That's, that's great advice. And I, I definitely encourage that for consistency purposes because it's very easy to get this burst of energy or desire and do it once or twice and then feel like it's a chore or feel like it's something extra that you have to plan into your week. And if you can do it consistently and schedule it into your week, like Mondays from 10 to 11, I create content. And yeah. you just commit to that and just let it be one hour of your week. And that can really, really create growth and revenue and just more opportunities for yourself. And the other thing is, you know, if you feel like you want to create content and you do get that spontaneous, like, oh, I feel excited to talk about this right now, record it, like yeah. get it on camera when you have the energy to do it, when it just hits you. So you can stockpile some of this stuff and you don't have to do it every single day. And I like to think about like other businesses, right? I always use res restaurants as like references, but like restaurants that don't post on social media very often. Mm -hmm. You're what initially is like, you go to their Instagram, you go to their Facebook, you don't see anything for the last six months. And you're like, are they open? Like, did they close down? Yeah. What business is this even, is this menu accurate? Like, am I, and you're probably going to say to yourself, well, I'm going to try the next, that next one or the one that has more engaging content. That's constantly like posting pictures of their menu and posting pictures of whatever they've got going on behind the scenes. And I think that really does create that relationship that you have with businesses and other people who you've never met before. For sure. And I don't know if this comes up for you as much with like any of the male therapists that you coach. But for me, I hear from a lot of like the women that I work with, they feel really insecure about like being on camera and wanting to have like the full hair, the full makeup, everything done in order to feel like they can film. And I think that a lot of the time that gets in the way of us like kind of doing this on the spur content. And I can relate, right? When I first started my Instagram page, I was only filming on Saturdays. I love like a good Saturday brunch with my girlfriend. So I would film on Saturday morning, 
beforehand because I knew I was already dressed. I was like cute for the day and I could film my content for the week. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think that it can also be helpful to push yourself and try and show up the same way that you look with your client, right? Like I was filming all my reels with all my makeup on. And then this is how I show up to session every day with my clients, right? I have a jean jacket on, my hair is up. Like I just look like myself. And so people want to see the version of you that's going to show up on Zoom or in the therapy room every single week for session. And I know it can feel like so vulnerable to put that version of you online, but that's really going to help people connect to you and feel like they get to know you and like they are kind of having that more casual relationship with you. And so I would kind of encourage people to push that past that fear a little bit too. Absolutely. And I've been victim of that too, of like, I have to look a certain way or I have to do, you know, I have to do my hair or I have to like not wear the Anthony Bourdain shirt that I'm wearing right now. <laughs> no, that's really not who I am. So I need to be more authentic to how I actually show up. And that, again, reduces the barrier of I'm going to do it. Because yeah. if I have to go through each one of those steps in order to get on camera to feel comfortable enough to put it out there, the likelihood decreases that I'm going to actually follow through. And when I started my business, it was in the midst of COVID, like August 2020. I just started like doing Facebook and Instagram lives about imposter syndrome and nobody was watching because I had no audience, but yeah. it was still nerve wracking. And I was still having imposter syndrome talking about imposter syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> the only person commenting is like my fucking grandma who's like, oh, your kitchen looks nice or like it's good <laughs> to see dogs. And I'm like, get out of here, grandma. Like I, I'm yeah. doing this thing. And, you know, just pushing through that fear, like you said before made it so much more comfortable to put out videos and to be less concerned about like, what are the reactions going to be or not be? And those lives in my kitchen by myself have turned into a thriving business where I have spoken as a keynote on that topic in conferences, at retreats and other experiences. Yeah. But without ever having done that, if I had allowed that to paralyze me and I was concerned about like, what do I look like? Or is anyone going to care about what I'm talking about? I never would have done it. And you and I probably are not sitting here having this conversation. Yeah. Did the imposter syndrome get better for you once you started getting some results from those lives? Yeah, I think it does. But I also think it never fully goes away. Like yeah. I, when I start my six month take the leap like coaching program, and I'm sitting here looking at therapists from all over the country and I see their little Zoom faces and I'm like, <laughs> why did they pay me? I don't yeah. know what I'm talking about. They should probably pay someone who knows what they're talking about. <laughs> All the thoughts start going in and I will name that, always name it and just say like, this is what I'm experiencing. This is how I'm feeling. And then it goes, it starts to subside. And yep. I think they come, the, we talk about ways to combat imposter syndrome on here all the time, but I really do believe some of the best ways to combat imposter syndrome, like you mentioned, putting the idea out to the world, like getting it out of the head and yeah. actually into real life, realizing like, oh, it's there. The world's still spinning. It's fine. And also like the recognition of talking about how you're feeling and experiencing what's happening for you, because that's so normalizing in terms of the human experience, because you'll see yeah. like all this head nodding of people being like, oh yeah, me too. I also experienced that thing that you're talking about. And then it's like, yeah, we're just human. Like we have these experiences yeah. and this is this is our reality. If we can talk about them, we kind of take the power back from them. And I kind of believe it never goes away. Like no matter how quote unquote successful you become, 
And maybe instead of like driving the car, it's riding alongside next to you or in the back seat now. And it's no longer that debilitating, paralyzing, painful feeling that keeps you stuck and small and still. But instead, you kind of notice it's anxiety provoking and you're like, okay, I'm a little insecure, but it's not going to dictate how I move forward. Yeah. I love that. And one thing I hear in business all the time is like new level, new devil, right? So like maybe you work through the imposter syndrome and showing up on the Instagram live doesn't feel like super scary anymore, but doing group coaching does or speaking at a conference in front of people does, right? And so kind of having those skills and being able to recognize the imposter syndrome, work through it and do the thing anyways, is going to serve you not just for like this stage of your business, but for all the future stages and success that's to come. I couldn't say it better myself. My motto this year has become doubt yourself, do it anyway. And I really do. I love that. Love that because it's really powerful if you can get behind that. Like I I started saying that after the first international retreat I hosted last year in Ireland. And I am now about two weeks away from year two. And we have 30 people coming. And I'm like, oh my God, this is horrifying. (laughs) Awesome. So it's like that balance of like, exciting and fear. And I think that's where it needs to be. And the theme has become doubt yourself, do it anyway. And it's really for people who are like, I have these big ideas or these ideas in general, but I'm so fucking terrified that they won't work out or that I can't be the one to bring them to the world. So like really helping create that incubator like experience where people are just like, yeah, I feel that too. And you'll have someone who says like, I just graduated from grad school, I'm going to start a private practice. I'm fucking terrified. And you'll have someone in the same room who's like, I own a group practice and I'm trying to do A, B, and C and I'm fucking terrified. Yeah. And the emotions are the exact same emotions. They're just being experienced differently and from a different lens. And I really love the power of vulnerability and dropping into that like unit and group where it's like, we're going to do this thing together and we're going to work through this fear. And yeah, it can still be there and that's normal, but we're not going to let it control and dictate how we move forward. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the reasons why it's like so important that as therapists, you have support, whether it's, you know, a professional network of other therapists, friends who get it, it's a group coaching program, it's one-on-one coaching, it's your own therapy. Like you need a space that is safe that you can name a lot of these feelings and work through them. So that way you're not just like avoiding them and pushing them away and never taking action. Yeah, absolutely. A a group of colleagues and support system like is so important in this because you can feel like you're on this island and in private practice ownership, I think we can all relate to like just seeing clients, keeping your head down. The day is then over and you're like, I haven't talked to anybody. And then I go home. I can't talk to anybody about what I've done for the day. So it can be very isolating, but it's also so helpful when that imposter syndrome is taking over, when you want to kind of grow, when you want to try something risky. And that voice in your head is saying, no, 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 not for you. Someone else can do this, but not you. It's so helpful to have colleagues in your corner who you can be like, this is what's coming up for me. Do you all have any ideas? And then someone can say like, yeah, I tried it this way. Maybe try this perspective. Or like, I tried this and it didn't work, but then I tweaked it and I did this and this was really helpful. And that can be so powerfully transformative to have that cohesive energy to really try to help you like, not allow yourself to talk yourself out of the thing that you want to pursue or the goals that you have. For sure. And I think even just like getting to know other people that are doing similar work to you 
that are either where you are or one or two steps ahead. Because I think so often we look at these other people on Instagram and we're like, oh, well, like their caseload must be full. They must have it all together. They know something about marketing that I don't. Like reels are super easy for them because of X, Y, or Z. And then when you actually get in the room with these people, you're like, no, they're all struggling with the same thing. They're having the same problem. And I'm not alone in this, right? And so if they can do it, I can do it too. There's nothing special. There's no secret sauce that they have that you're missing. You just haven't taken action yet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's so easy to get caught up in the comparison mindset of like, I'm not doing as well. I'm not as good. I'm more incompetent than whoever. And comparing yourself to someone who looks like they have a lot of success and maybe they do, but you don't see the behind the scenes of like what goes into it or the turmoil and the, the struggles that they've had to work through some of the stuff we're talking about. Because if we compared that right now, you have 55,000 Instagram followers, I have 4,000. That's intimidating, yeah. right? To say like, oh my God, how come I'm not at that level? But you yeah. can't take it at that value. Like you have to do your own path and everyone's path is going to be different. Everyone's journey is going to be different and everyone's successes are going to be defined differently. And I think it's really important to remember that and to really place your energy where you feel passionate about. So if it's not Instagram, but you love Facebook, get into Facebook Reels right now. Yeah. Like if it's YouTube, get into YouTube Shorts right now. If you love TikTok, make engaging TikTok content. But like, sure. this is the time to really ride the wave of social media and becoming more of an influencer status of having people who follow you and know, like, and trust you. And yeah. it really is as simple as sitting in your office or your room or your kitchen and making content. And yeah. you all have this inside of you. Like, Every single one of you listening can do 30 second videos or 60 second videos. You all have things you can talk about easily. And I suggest you start figuring out what those things are and then creating them, like picking them apart. So if it's one topic like imposter syndrome or like you mentioned mindfulness, yeah, then start figuring out, okay, what about imposter syndrome? How it shows up for A, B, and C, how to manage it, three strategies to combat it, three ways I've experienced it. Like you could, that's five different videos you can make right now. So like yeah. it's simple. And like they don't even need to be 30 or 60 seconds, right? Like we can use some of these other styles too of like pointing or just putting text on top of a random video and do a five or six second video, right? Like I think so often people get stuck with whatever version of creating videos is the hardest. That's the one that they feel like they have to do first. And so if speaking to camera gives you like the ick and that like really drives up the imposter syndrome, don't do that at first, right? If the idea of dancing in your kitchen gives you the ick, don't do that at first, right? Like pick whichever feels easier and do that thing. Uh, You have options. Yeah, exactly. Do the things that make you the most comfortable at first and then start pushing the limits and start trying other things out and seeing what works for you. Like before I started doing all this stuff and I, I don't naturally like smile a lot or like feel comfortable on camera and my wife is an actress and she's like, just smile like this and like turns it on. <laughs> I can't do that. Like that's not who I am. Yeah. And that for a while really fucked with me. But like now I just show up how I am and I, I feel totally fine. But it does take a long time for some people to get comfortable putting themselves out there and getting on camera and just be gentle with yourselves. You know, like it's not a marathon or it's not a sprint. It is a marathon at small business ownership. Like it's, 
there's no finish line right now. It's like whatever you want it to be and it will evolve over time. It will change and interests will change. Niches will change. Areas of specialty will change. You can reinvent yourself a million times in this profession. And that's kind of the beauty of it. And I, that's something that I really, really love about it. That's such a good point. When I started my Instagram page, I started with my niche of like perfectionism and boundaries. And now I'm really focused on like anxious millennials. Um, so that has changed and evolved over time. My goals with social media have changed and evolved over time. When I started, I was like, I just want to get, you know, some private pay clients. so I can feel comfortable leaving my full-time job. Now I'm bringing in revenue from brand deals, courses, memberships, coaching, like all this other stuff that has happened as a result of being able to grow my social media page to the point that it has. And so your goals can change. And when that happens, the content changes too. And that's okay, right? Like you can adapt and change based off of like what stage of business or stage of life you're in. That's a wonderful, wonderful piece of advice. And I really want you all to take that in because it's so true that all of this will evolve and adapt and change over time and interests will change, niches will change, hell, business goals will change. My yeah. finish when I left grad school was to get an agency job. When I realized that was not for me, it was to have a private practice. And I thought that was the finish line. Like that was the ultimate goal. And now podcasts, retreats, speaking engagements, coaching programs, like group practice ownership, I don't know what comes next, but all I yeah. know is that if you allow yourself the freedom to think and create and evolve over time, this career can be so unbelievably fulfilling and it doesn't have to be filled with burnout and just looking at your calendar and getting frustrated. Like you really can make it what you want it to be and just being patient with yourself and being willing to take those risks. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this was a great conversation and I think it was super helpful and I hope everyone listening can take some of that in and start implementing it pretty immediately for your own social media growth and expansion and just presence in general. And Kelly has a ton of great resources on her Instagram too. And just share a little bit about what you've got coming out and where people can find you. Awesome. So you can find me on Instagram at sitwithkelly. And I recently started a new Instagram account at Business of Therapy that is you know, specifically for therapists, business and marketing tips to help you grow your private practice. Um, I have a few different ways of working with me. I mentioned my Reels membership for therapists today. So that would be wonderful to join if you are, you know, kind of looking for inspiration and ideas for the Reels. I have a course, Private Practice Academy, that walks you through everything you need to start and scale your practice on social media. And then I also offer one-on-one -on -one and group business coaching as well. Cool. Lots of good offerings and I will put all of that information in the show notes so that you have easy access for it so that you can find out more about Kelly, where she's located and how to contact her and follow her because there's a lot of great information coming off of her social media accounts right now. Awesome. Thank you, Patrick. You're welcome. Thanks for coming on. And to everyone listening to the All Things Private Practice podcast, new episodes are out every single Sunday on all major platforms like download, subscribe and share. Doubt yourself. Do it anyway. We'll see you next week. You may know you are listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Izzy House hosts a great podcast called The Space Marketing Podcast. Izzy, tell us what these fine folks will get out of listening. Space Marketing Podcast is where we explore marketing principles, strategies, and tactics through the lens of space. 
I talk space with some very interesting industry professionals about their challenges and successes with marketing in the new commercial space economy. This show is for business leadership, entrepreneurs, and the space curious. Wow. And where in the universe can people subscribe? All of the major channels. And you can also find it on MPN and spacemarketingpodcast.com. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.